It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. Hey everybody, Galen Patterson, Midwest Love for P4P Real Talk in the house. And this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug free sponsor foundation in all of the world. And if you, yes, you are a drug free athlete mm-hmm. and are looking for a solid foundation to drive, <laughs> drive your goals in a vehicle, to drive your goals, check us out at P4PMuscle.com. And now let's chit chat with the backer. I am Kaylin Patterson, my co-host is Desiree Hachek of Brothers, and we combine together to become P4P Real Talk, and we have a lot of fun going on the airwaves, but we also have a lot of fun traveling through the different shows, and one of the shows that I was able to go to was the P4P North American, P4P, my goodness, I'm stuck on that name, PNBA natural North American, and we had a phenomenal lineup on stage, especially with such short notice. And one of those people just happened to be a a, a guy who basically just blew us all the way, and I'm talking about the judging panel, just an amazing uh, individual on stage, great stage presence, great uh, personality, and he definitely fits his uh, category quite well. Uh, This guy was Arias Norris fascinating individual. I didn't get a chance to speak to him personally at the venue because we were still having a show that was going on after he had stepped off stage. Sadly, I wasn't able to catch up with him at the, the photo booth or the the display where they were taking their pictures. But we were able to catch up with him to get him on this show. So as soon as he gets contacted with us, we'll get this show started. Desiree is on the road. Uh, traveling, so we got to, she'll be calling in later as well. But one of the things I, I did want to talk while we do have the time is that uh, there was an incident that happened locally, but it's just uh, a microcosm of what's been going on in this nation, and it's hard to believe that uh, we're getting to the, the mental state that we are, and I even made a post about this on social media, about how we're, we're morally declining in our mentality. And things that are basically considered normal should not be, and we should not be accepting them as normal. And we have to start fighting back mentally so we can start fighting back physically using our mind, not fighting each other, but fighting the understanding that there's nothing we can do. There's always something that can be done and something that should be done. And uh, what I'm talking about is that there was an incident at our local jail supermarket, and a man was in line in the store and very upset about the new laws and new regulations that are being placed upon us, with one dealing being with the mask, and he became so frustrated and so upset that he decided that he was going to take action. Thankfully, he wasn't able to fulfill his goal of basically taking life, but he did pull a gun, and he did cock and load it, and he was willing to 
enforce his thoughts on the idea that he didn't want anybody forcing their thoughts upon him. And this simply cannot be acceptable behavior in a modern society. We, we have laws, we have regulations, but we also have the, the opportunity to come together as a community and voice our opinions, voice our disagreements, voice our agreements. <clears throat> but all of these things can be done in a civilized fashion. I, I think with the dec- decay of civics in our nation, we've also got a decline in, in how we interact civically. And I'm just amazed that there isn't more outrage about this. I see people saying, you know, we should be outraged about this, we should be outraged about that. But I'm more enraged about the decline in civics and the lack of civic activities that keep us as a society and a community. It is amazing that we are willing to go so low, so very low, and are thinking that we, we simply say if it's not, what I like, then I have a right to bear arms and go up against my own neighbor. And we call ourselves a civilized society, but this is not civil thinking. Uh, civics is basically how we interact with each other or disact, I mean, dis- disengage from each other. So we simply have to do a, a better job of this, and we simply have to get better at doing what we do. So if we're going to be active in our community, if we're going to be active around our children, if we're going to be active in society, we should be doing it on a way that basically keeps us engaged in society. And if we're going to be doing things, let us make sure that we're basically interacting with each other with the intent to teach our generation a better understanding of how to engage with each other. And so basically disengaging from society and saying, you know, if I don't have my own way, then I'm just going to do whatever I will and please. And this is not how society functions or acts. So if we're going to be doing these things, let us at least stay civically engaged where we can consider our neighbor what is going on. So I don't want society to keep speaking doom and gloom. We are society. Everyone that's listening is part of society. Everyone that's doing or not doing is part of society. And to say that there's nothing we can do as adults is not teaching the next generation much, if anything, other than to give up hope as soon as possible and hopefully get to a part of society where you have to do absolutely nothing and still survive the rest of your life. I can't imagine a society in that way. I definitely can't imagine the United States in that kind of thing. And I definitely can't imagine my own city doing such coarse and harsh things to young minds. I mean, these children are basically traumatized, and they have to live with that understanding for the rest of their lives. And I don't want that to be something that we can consider ordinary or normal. And I know we talk about the, how we're be, becoming desensitized to certain things, but the way to fight back is to keep the sensitivity level up and keep our children precious and keep our, our women and, and young adults uh, ahead of the game, and it's also as our elderly. We can't keep saying, you know, this stuff, nothing can be done. If we're doing nothing, then we're ensuring that nothing will be done. And I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of just the excuses instead of the solutions. We, we can find a way to fight back as a society if we fight back as a society and fight back as a community. 
and just saying, you know, this or that or my way to highway. That's not typically my And it, we, we're, we're regressing and devolving, and that's just, uh, it's just not accepted. Dad, you there? I am here. Okay. Yeah. I am here, and it, it, it sounds like we're on a very deep topic. Yes, we are. I was uh, talking about how, you know, just locally the other day, a person that is so enraged about having to wear a mask uh, basically found someone in line and waited for them outside and pulled a gun on the children to basically oh force his, his thinking. And it was a very, a very scary time. I can't imagine those children and, and, and what they... And, you know, if they were thinking it was their last day on this earth, and I can't imagine how they're going to mentally deal with, you know, what what happened. I, I It's just shocking that, you know, something as simple as a mask. I, I made a post uh, some days ago, and I but I was talking about the workers that were basically enforcing the policy that the, the place they worked in had been telling them that they had to to speak on, and that was, you know, you have to wear your mask. And people were wanting to beat them. You know, people were being shot. And this this is just crazy to me that, you know, they have no say in what they're asked to do other than the requirements of their job and their duties on the job. And people are taking their anger and frustration out on them, but they're not doing anything for the policy that's, that's being placed. We're not having... Uh, town hall meetings. We're not doing anything that engages the improvement of what we're complaining about. We just complain and, and leave it at that. Well, now we have an individual in our own town. I mean, this is right maybe a mile and a half from where I live, and he's pulling out a gun and enforcing his view, and to the point where he was stopped and loading a gun to shoot these people because they didn't agree with what he thought and said. And I, I'm just, I can't fathom this kind of understanding where we're engaging our thoughts and beliefs on the people who have no true say in changing this unless we come together as a community. And I'm shocked that, you know, no one really spoke out against this with the understanding that we have to do something. We personally have to do something to change it because our children mentally and physically are, are in danger. And I, 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 it's just so hard to fathom that, you know, we don't have people coming together more now because of that. Instead, it's about, you know, Republican, Democrat, this, that, uh, pro, con, and the children aren't even being mentioned in these statements. I even made a post today, and what was shocking to me is that it was about this side or that side, and nothing dealing with these children whose minds have been traumatized. How can we overlook so glaring facts and not address that first? If we're not addressing the children, then my God, what are we doing? Well, the answer is we don't know what we're doing. That's why such mania is prevailing. And it's, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of a matter of where everybody is doing whatever they think seems to be right in their own mind, and that's just it. There is no justice. There is no reasoning. There is no, 
There's no nothing. Yes. And it's just, it's just minds that are overloaded everywhere. And, and and this is probably just the beginning. Oh, yeah. I, I don't doubt that. And I, I think we have to do do much better for the children. Uh, we have our guest on. Uh, Arius, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, how's right. it going, brother? Before we go any further, just give us a breakdown of uh, who you are and what you've done, and we'll get this show started. Okay, uh, so I'm a bodybuilder uh, from Colorado, Denver, Colorado, uh, born and raised. Um, started bodybuilding, lifting weights around age 12. Um, so with it, and uh, ended up playing sports and kind of translated all that uh, that I learned in the, in the weight room and the sports. Uh, went to college, uh, ended up majoring in exercise sports science, got a bachelor's degree, um, you know, worked as a personal trainer for 12 years, and then uh, now I'm a professional bodybuilder, and I've been having fun ever since. Well, that is yeah. awesome, because we all know bodybuilding, and then take it to professional bodybuilding, and you just rock it and roll, and dude. It is a lot of fun, except for when it's not, but it's mostly fun. <laughs> So yeah, absolutely, we absolutely. <laughs> we will leave it at that. So, uh, yeah, listeners, we're making a little bit of a transition here, but that is okay. So Ari is glad to have you on the show, super excited. Um, before we get too far down the road with our uh, our time with you, kind of take us back. I mean, you gave us a little bit of an overview of your history, but kind of take us back to the beginning on what even actually got you started on this path to becoming a pro natural bodybuilder? Uh, honestly, it was my uh, it was my stepdad. He was my biggest uh, influence and inspiration as a kid. Um, you know, he was a uh, a uh, avid weightlifter. He'd be in the basement, you know, benching 315 pounds. And to, to me as a kid, that was pretty impressive. That was amazing. You know, he was able to do so much weight. You know, I could literally see the bar bending. And so I was like, man, I want to be able to do that someday. And so... Uh, you know, I just asked for his help and his guidance on, on how to be able to uh, be the biggest and strongest person I could possibly be, and, and he kind of guided me in the right direction, taught me how to eat properly, lift properly, um, recover properly, you know, the whole bit. Um, you know, so he, he's been probably the major driving force behind me uh, getting in the bodybuilding and weightlifting period. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that I've had to deal with uh Recently, is the the mental and physical decline, physical decline of one of our basically pioneers of uh, lifting, and the, the the guy took the other road where he took the enhanced lifestyle. So basically, he I say I told him I was just talking to him recently, and I you know I let him know he won the lottery when it came to having survivable genetics because this man was one of the the most juiced up individuals I'd ever met. And, you know, he looked phenomenal back in the day, but now, you know, 40 years later, he, he's on such a physical decline that it's hard to watch, especially someone you, you watched in the gym when back when we have the YMCA being the big gym in the area and now to see what he looks like now. And it's it's just, it almost reminds me of uh, the uh, when I saw the documentary about Earl Campbell and how he was just barely surviving and 
he still wants to lift and he still wants to do certain things, but it's such a tear to his body that he's just in agony every time he lifts. So I'm glad to hear that you had a a, a mentor that was going to bring you in the right way and address your, your body as well as your mind, you know, when it comes to aesthetics, how the right way to incorporate that stuff into your life. So how much did that mean to you in the beginning and how much are you paying off the dividends now? It's, it, it's who I, um, you know, moving forward with integrity was, was one of the uh, major things that I decided uh, when I, when I took on bodybuilding, it was, uh, you know, from a very young age, my, my stepdad, he, he kind of hyped me up, you know, saying like, uh, if I ever stepped on the bodybuilding stage, you know, I'd, I'd take first place. He said, I'd be able to pick you out of a lineup, you know, very easily, you know, because, he would just always talk about how, how great my abs looked and stuff like that, and then if I could enhance the rest of my body, you know, via lifting weights and eating and, and doing all the right things, and I can be very successful in, in this world. And, and you know, I kind of just took his advice, you know, to, to the heart and, and rolled with that. But uh, it, I, I like the point that you brought up about the mental and physical decline that you see about some of these uh, bodybuilders that you see because the, the major shift is, is, is happening right now with the natural and everything like that, and with people, you know, starting to see that you can build muscle and you can live a healthy life without, you know, all these anabolics and so on and so forth. And so uh, moving forward, you know, doing it the healthy way is going to be the the best way that anybody can, you know, uh, live a healthy lifestyle and and pursue a bodybuilding career. Amen to that. Amen to that. So uh, you uh, are just recently uh, coming off a win at the PNBA, uh, INBA, PNBA, let me get it all in there, North American. Um, talk to us a little bit about, I want to hear about how that show went for you, but I'm I'm really wondering, um, as long as you have been lifting, what attracted you to men's physique over men's bodybuilding? Or is men's bodybuilding as a category still something that you have your eye on? Okay. Um, well, just talking about the experience in Chicago, um, I love Chicago. You know, it's been the, my, my favorite show so far uh, this year. Um, not just the show itself, but the people of Chicago. You know, they were uh, very friendly, but not overly friendly. Um, you know, and, and I just felt they were coming at me with, a, a, you know, with the genuine hospitality, you know, if that makes sense. Uh, even though I didn't go out to party and see what the nightlife was like, I still got a feel for what people were like, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, beyond that, the show was fantastic. You know, they got it all set up kind of last minute um, because I, I believe yeah. um, Leaf, he, he, got the, he got the notification last minute, and he was able to, you know, swing everything and everything up, you know, and, and he didn't miss a beat. And so I commend him on that. But uh, also the venue was perfect. Um, you know, the, the trophies, the, the prizes, all great. Um, the way they had the venue set up, everything was just so smooth. I, I really enjoyed it. So I'll definitely be back to Chicago and uh, definitely be be uh, talking to Leaf about getting to another show. I believe you do on one in October. I'm thinking about popping in that one, seeing if I can't get in. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about that small show called the uh, <laughs> the Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Leaf, uh, I'm really proud of what he did because he, you know, he stepped in and to present the show that was presented with such short notice 
shows you what, what true passion is. And, and you got to respect that. You know, like you're saying, the way he addressed the athletes with such short notice, it's a, it's a definite compliment to uh, the passion that he has and the drive that he has to make sure that the athletes are well-addressed. And then, you know, getting a judging panel that can basically ensure that the show runs off well, that that's always a plus as well. So, you know, when you're getting up on stage, I got to say, and I'm, I'm going to just – you have that 3D stance on stage uh, that, that comes with the good posing. I can't imagine how much practice you put into that. But one of the things that really impressed me is that you have a lat spread that can go from one side of the stage to the other. Uh, how much <laughs> do you focus on the back during your routine, and how do you complement that with the posing that you do? Oh, man, I really appreciate the compliment. Uh, you know, my, my lats are uh, something that uh, I felt was a weak point for me um, before, especially last year. And so it's something that I really want to uh, bring out and and, and, do, uh, and work on and make it one of my strong points. And so, you know, uh, a lot of bent over rows, a lot of lat pull-downs, uh, a lot of isometric contraction, um, things of that nature, and then also an increase in uh, my calories. So, uh for a long period of time, I was in a caloric surplus, and uh, that allows you to stay in an anabolic state, so so your body's able to build, you know, a little bit more muscle. So, anyways, uh, I was I was doing, you know, all those all the right things, and um, you know, going through the pain of eating healthy and lifting weights and recovering from it, and then uh, I was able to bring those lats out. So, um, I appreciate the compliment because it's something that I'm really uh, honing in on, and, and I really just know this. And uh, it looks like you did notice, so I appreciate it. Along with the posing, now, the posing really doesn't take too long because um, they're really not long um, periods of time where you're on stage. So it's kind of like I, I just freestyle, to be honest with you. I, whatever pose I'm feeling, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and then make sure it feels smooth while I'm doing it. But uh, other than that, I, I mean, I'll practice in the mirror every morning. But in total, it's probably it's probably about – 20 hours a week, you know, uh, <laughs> between lifting and posing. Well, but it's good that you have a combination of both. And so I'm going to jump back to the uh, myriad of questions I asked earlier. I asked way too many at one time. But why men's physique? What was it about that category okay. that caught your attention? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't men's physique that, that necessarily caught my attention when I first uh, got into the game. It was really uh, classic physique because I, I I love training legs, um, you know, since the beginning. I love doing squats. I love doing deadlifts. Um, and so I really want to showcase my legs as well as my body. And so, um, you know, I went to a coach and, and kind of talked to him everything like that. He said, you could do classic physique. And your legs look all right. Your upper body looks really good. So I suggest that you'll do, uh, you know, men's physique. And so he signed me up for men's physique and classic physique. And so I ended up uh, taking first in both. And so he said, well, whatever direction you decide you want to go into, you know, I, I feel like uh, you'll be successful in, in either one. He said, I think you'll be a little bit more successful in men's physique. Um, so I, I said, uh, okay, I'll, I'll kind of go with that. And then, uh, you know, as I was going along, we were just kind of playing with shows. And then he said, hey, if you want to hop in this show, I'll pay for uh, for your entry fee or whatever. And so I said, okay. And so he signed me up for uh, all all the categories, physique, classic physique, and bodybuilding. And, uh, you know, he gave me all the necessary materials to uh, compete. And so I stepped on stage as, as all three. had a blast. And, uh, you know, I really, really understand the hard work that goes in, 
into into all of them because I had to find three different posing routines. I had to learn all of the uh, mandatory poses for each one of them. I had to uh, add my own style to each one of the poses. So it was it was a huge challenge, but it was a fun. But now that I'm kind of honed in on men's physique, I feel like it's kind of uh, taking my heart, if you will, because. I've, uh, you know, turned pro in it. I've, I've won three pro shows as a men's physique competitor. Um, I'm starting to get a lot more clients who are men's physique kind of geared. And then uh, people, they they just ask me different things about men's physique. I feel like my, my physique is, uh, it, looks, it looks attainable for people rather than being overly big or, or, or anything like that where it doesn't seem like, oh, I can't ever get, you know, that type of physique even if I was, you know, on steroids or something like that. I don't I don't want people to look at me and go like that's something that I can't do. I want people to look at me and go like, Man, I feel like I can look kinda like that if if not like that, you know? Mhm, mhm. I got you, I got you. And you know, I have to say I really appreciate the process that you and your coach went through in finding a um I guess a home, if you will. Um, in men's physique, you you tried the different categories, and I am totally cool with that. But then, instead of continuing to try to compete in multiple categories, you know, show after show after show after show, you you know you use that experience, your experiences to find your fit, and then you just went after it a hundred percent. And I really appreciate that because I well small mini rant, and then I'm going to get on with it, but it it always irks me when we have athletes that continue to compete in multiple categories and they win because they have the physique to win against who they were on the stage with, but really they shouldn't have won in multiple categories because the criteria for each category should be different enough that the same physique should not win both. You understand what I'm saying? I completely so, agree with what you're saying, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I appreciate that you tried it, and I think that's cool because that's what you should do, try it all. But then find where you fit the best at the moment and then go after it. And as your body evolves, if you want to move up, then do that. But I just, you know, kudos to you for doing that. And then you sound like you've had so much success in men's physique. You were talking about – three pro wins so far this year. Talk to us a little bit about that. Where were you at and uh, how were those shows? Okay, uh, yeah, so uh, the shows were great. The first show was uh, out in Minnesota. Um, it was a uh, IPE, International um, Pro Elite. Um, and it was a pretty good show, but like I said, uh went out there. Uh, there was only uh, two other guys who competed with me. Uh, so that was pretty fun, and then I went down to Atlanta. So there's a super natural bodybuilding um, federation. Um, that show was pretty good as well. Um, three competitors there, including myself, um, and then uh, obviously the PNBA, IMBA, Pro North American. All all the shows have been. Well, I feel like this is a dream come true, being able to uh, take control of my schedule and be able to uh, travel around, you know, North America all these shows and, and, and have success. Well, not That's just awesome, uh, traveling around, but really engaging with the people. You know, you, you like, I'm going to tell you, you've got quite the stage presence, and it, it's much appreciated. And I, I know Des and I both love when a pro is on stage being a pro, showing off a home gift. 
So that's always appreciated, especially when we know that, that there's an audience that needs to see that, especially your fellow competitors in the amateur ranks of what it takes to be a pro, because that sets the standard and the foundation of what's to be expected from the, you know, from the athlete as well as the people in the audience. So, uh, you know, much love and respect for, for the way you present yourself. Uh, you had a tough group up there, you know, and one of the guys had come from the amateur ring because he, he felt he had a shot. And, you know, standing next to a pro and seeing what it takes when you have that kind of mentality for, from an amateur wanting to compete against the pros, it's always nice to see true competition happening because it, it's not very fun as a competitor to step on stage knowing the win is done before you get out there. And I, I know as an athlete, especially with you doing the traveling that you're doing, that you truly want to compete and you want to compete against the best, I think you're going to have a good chance going out there uh, in Vegas with uh, the natural Olympia. And I, I really would love to see, you know, how you're going to address the, ch- the changes that you and your coach have in mind to make an even better package on stage for that. But we're going to go back to the traveling to the shows and the competition and the understanding of how to truly compete on stage as a pro. What was the difference from competing as an amateur and winning a pro card as compared to getting on stage against other pro athletes and seeing the step up in the game that uh, that are required? Yeah, uh, as an amateur, I was like a deer in the headlights every time I stepped on stage. You know, I, I forget everything that I've I, I practiced with my coach, you know, my posing, um, my cadences, so on and so forth. And so, uh, you know, I really learned as a pro to uh, take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize that this is just fun. The, the work has already been done in the gym. Like, it's just time to present what, what all all the hard work that has been put forward. And so, uh, we just said, uh, a paradigm shift in my mind from, oh, I need to go out here and, and, and perform, you know, work for all these people to, hey, I'm going to go out here and have fun and show everybody, you know, how hard I've been working. And that, I mean, and that's, that's, that's how you have to embrace it and look at it. I mean, and there, it, for some people, they can make the transition flawlessly from amateur to pro, but that is an elite view. It really is a transition. But hopefully once you get there and you embrace it the way that you have, you make it your own. And so I'm just curious, I think so far, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been competing on all um, U.S. Stages and even though the Olympia is a U.S. stage, it's an international event. How do you think that element is going to? Um, I don't know if change is the right word, but impact the way that you you prep. Uh, it's just going to elevate the way I prepped for that opportunity. Um, you know, I've always been a competitor uh, since I've I've been a young kid since age twelve. Uh, you know, competing in little league sports. Uh, all the way to um, competing in track, competing for, you know, grant money, scholarship money, so on and so forth. You know, I feel like uh, at the end of the day, life is it's just a huge competition. You know what I mean? Um, you're competing for a job, for, you know, with your peers. You're, you're competing for, you know, um, food. You're competing for you know, money, you're, so on and so forth, you know, whatever whatever it is. And so uh, whatever you, whatever you are competing for, you want to make sure that you are having fun uh, behind it, whatever it is. And, and you know, like I said, it's just going to raise my elevation of, of preparedness because I, I do have a lot of people who uh, 
were kind of behind me and, and, and watching my story unfold, um, you know, people who really believe. And so I feel like uh, I'd be letting, you know, myself down for one and then letting them down for two if I didn't try and bring my best package, didn't try and put my best foot forward, um, given that I have the opportunity and chance to. Hey, no, no, no hanging with that. Um, one of the things that I, I appreciate, as well as being a, a pro competitor and, and the traveling, is that you, you could be engaging like you are. And like you said, uh, you know, when you guys were having conversations downstairs, uh, getting ready to, you know, show yourselves on stage, it's always nice to share the information and, and your walk of life. Um, when you have that opportunity, you don't waste it. So, you know, what makes you that giving individual and what keeps you engaged with the other competitors? Like you said, because you're on there, you're on stage to compete, but you're also there to basically share a life story on stage and on. Because you, you realize that all the hard work is in that moment, um, regardless of what happens, you know, what's done is done already. You know, the hard work has already been put in. And and once again, um, it's just that mentality of going out there and presenting uh, what you have. And and usually, you know, you you have a good mentality. Like uh, as an amateur, you know, when I was losing and stuff like that, where I came in second or third place, um, the the thought wasn't that oh I came in second. oh man well now I need to come back and work hard but stage. Um, staying close to competitors is easy because there's there's not that many of us as far as pro athletes. You know, people who are willing to sacrifice, you know, um, having fun, you know, that drink and like that, that feel that you would, you'd have with uh, some friends or family. Um, a lot of people, they don't understand um, the sacrifice that this is making order to be in that kind of position. True. So when you get around Very people who, who kind of, uh, hello? Yeah, we hear you. Now I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Yeah, so when you get around people who, who, who kind of are like, like mine, it's, it's easier to connect with them. And, and stay connected with them. So uh, I feel like that's why it's easier as a competitor instead of uh, making like a dog-eat-dog kind of world to be like, hey, man, like all of our hard work is paid off. Let's, let's go out here and show everybody, you know, what an athlete looks like. Excuse me. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, you know, and those relationships are so important. And um, I think my question is just going to take this, a little bit further and trying to gain an understanding of who in the natural community motivates you, I mean, as other pro athletes. Where do you draw inspiration from, if you draw inspiration from any of the natty athletes at all? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question, to be honest with you. And uh, to be honest with you, like uh, – when when I first started this journey, I didn't really uh, know that natural bodybuilding was was uh, on the uprise and on the up and coming and everything like that. Um, to me, I would just go to the gym and work out for health purposes and because of an athlete life. So it was something I was I was used to doing. It was part of my daily life. And so you know when I kind of got pushed into into stepping on stage by a couple of friends and then you know pressure from from um, you know the right individuals, um, you know I took the opportunity and. and and, and jumped on stage, but uh, to to reach and, and, and pull motivation from uh, other athletes, I feel like I get motivation just from um, great athletes in general. It doesn't 
matter. Really, really which sport they're playing. You know, I like watching um boxing. I like watching MMA. I like watching basketball or watching football. Um, and and I, I just like seeing great athletes. You know, be the best at, at their uh, at their job and perform. You know, their their craft to the best of their ability. You know, that's what really gives me motivation and drive. It's like, man, that person. You know, you can tell they've been putting in the work because. You know everything just looks flawless about about their performance, and and you really appreciate those standout performances, and you become more of an athlete fan, more so than a team fan, and then that's where you draw your inspiration and motivation from. Well, you know, last week, well, not last week, Tuesday, we had two uh, Hall of Famers in the natural community on our show, and they were just. Uh, really excited for the new crop of Hall of Famers of the, the natural athletes that have been staying, you know, staying natural and basically over the years uh, just get gathering a following, staying positive in their lives and basically being great ambassadors for the natural community. And uh, if you do make it to the, the, the uh, PNBA natural Olympia, you're going to get to see the hall of the hall of fame inductees for this year. Does that motivate someone like you to basically keep going and keep grinding so you could possibly or potentially have an opportunity to be one of the all-time elite natural athletes welcomed into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. That would would be uh, a great desire of mine for the future. Um, I am signed up for the Natural uh, Olympia already. All I have to do is book my hotel. Um, But I'm very excited for for that competition and, and, yeah, uh, being able to uh, immortalize myself in the Hall of Fame would, uh, would would be something that I would love to do. Absolutely love. Uh, it mean the world to me, and, and getting to meet all those guys, and, and knowing that the hard work that they put in, and setting the foundation for me to come forth and and be able to be successful in the sport. I'm, I'm pretty grateful. I, I would love the opportunity. And I do have that opportunity. I'm going to make sure that they understand how grateful I am. Um, so to be in the position that I am today because of the foundation they have set forth. Fantastic. Now, you had said that, you know, in the beginning, your laps you thought were a weak area for you, so you, you know, took what a perceived weakness and turned it into a strength. But, you know, you're on a, you're on a roll here on the uh, pro stage in Vince Physique. Where do you see... Or what are you focusing on to continue to tweak and improve your physique? Um, and maybe it's just all over fine-tuning, or is there, like, still a specific area that you really just want to, you know, blow out? Um, yeah, there there are a couple places that I do uh, really want to improve. I still want to improve on my life. I, I do uh, just bring them, bring them out a little bit. I don't want to make them any bigger. I just want to make them... Um, a little bit more shape. I feel like they're, they're too round right now, and I feel like I'm holding too much fat or water or whatever it may be there. Also, my shoulders are something that uh, is going to be a key emphasis uh, in, the, in the next few months. Um, and then my lower uh, chest. And, uh, and and the way I, I kind of do it is, is use different angles, use different ways to different sets. Um, like I said, I got my bachelor's degree in exercise sports science, I, I kind of nerd out when it comes to my own workout plans. I'll do anything from um, four sets of 15 to um, five sets of five with heavier weight, lightweight, medium weight, doing all types of angles, um, doing all types of tempos, lightweight or light uh, or 
long tempo, short tempo, explosive, uh, so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's really easy to man- manipulate certain areas of the body when you understand it anatomically, like uh, like like your back, for instance. Um, you know, if you if you release slowly on a row on the way down the eccentric contraction, you're going to stretch your back and make it wider or perceive to make it wider, you know. So it's kind of like an, an illusion when you step on stage, obviously. But, uh, you know, so reel, reel those things in. Obviously, um, gain a little bit more size. I want to add about um, two or three more pounds to my frame, and then I want to probably just hold that and keep it there. Um, other than that, I, I to, uh, make sure I'm maintaining good conditioning, I'm staying high on the cardio, um, and then not letting my diet get out of control uh, until then. So, Well, you know, it, it's a grind, and it's a constant grind. But you've been doing quite well, obviously, with uh, with winning. But also with the win, you, you've been presenting yourself well each time. It's a grind. And I think some people see the wins, but they don't see the grind that, that happens to, to do that. So what were some of the pitfalls and what were some of the, the great things that happened along this journey this year. And can you share with the up-and-comers how to get through each and every trial and tribulation? Yeah, so, I mean, you just have to have a positive attitude no matter what what comes about. I mean, obviously, uh, COVID happened this year. So, you know, at the beginning of this year, everything was was sunshine and rainbows for me. You know, I'm working my two jobs, getting ready to uh, start competing for the 2020 season. Uh, my first show was in February down in Arizona, um, and that was a beautiful show, a great arena, um, great weather, everything like that. And so COVID was happening over in China while this was going down. Uh, and so I ended up winning my pro card right before COVID went down. Uh, luckily, like I said, uh, my, my my stepdad, he, he's got a uh, weight set in the basement. Um, and so I was able to, you know, commute to my parents' house back and forth and, and use the weights there. Um, during the whole bit and then eat healthy and stuff like that. And so when I got my stimulus check, um, the first thing I did was <laughs> was book my first pro show because um, uh, the thing I had been dying to do, get out of, you know, the house and quarantine and stuff like that. I need to compete. Sure, so sure. I booked my first – what's that? I was like, sure, sure, sure. I yeah, feel it. Anyways, I need to, you, yeah, I needed to get out. I needed to, needed to move. Um and, and, you know, being that I had a healthy immune system, I wasn't too worried about contracting and, and succumbing to it. But anyways, uh, I went to uh, Minnesota, won that first pro show, and then, um, you know, went to uh, Atlanta, won that one, and then went to Chicago and won that one. So it's been it's been a, a long journey, and, and, and when it comes down to, um, you know, those pitfalls that you see in, in the way, you just got to find a, where there's a will, there's a way. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you really want to make something happen, you're going to make something happen. You're not going to let anything yeah. stop you, hold you back the whole bit. You know what I mean? I mean, the the world was, you know, on fire, you know, for a while there. And then now everything's back to someone. And you see I'm competing. Now I'm on a radio show. You know, it wouldn't have happened hadn't I taken the chance to go to Chicago and, and compete on that stage. So, um, you know, I'm scared whenever I do do things like that, but it's, it's the ability to get that fear while you're in it that makes you uh, successful. No doubt, no doubt. You know, and that is so true. We make we make time or we make a way for the things that we want to do. And so 
You all just remember that every time you can't do something because of this or because of that. If you really want it, yeah, y'all, I said it. I'll say it again, y'all. Gotta be smart. If you really want it, you're going to go after it. It might not happen in the time frame you want it, but you'll eventually make it happen. So just just remember that. Um, Y'all. Now, Arius, (laughs) y'all, it sounds like um, you're also doing some coaching and getting a lot more individuals uh, who are interested in physique coming to you for guidance. So if we have a a prospective athlete out there that's uh, in your neighborhood and is interested in how they get a hold of you, where can they find you? Uh, They can find me on Instagram. You just type in my name. Um, I got a website launching pretty soon here. Um, it's just going to be uh, ariasnorris.co. Um, and then um, if you're here local in town, Denver, Colorado, you'll be able to book a, an appointment with me. Um, I also have mobile training available. I have meal plans available right now. I have training programs available right now um, and the whole bit. So any any goal um, as far as uh, exercise, wellness, health, and well-being, um, you know, I can I can make a program to kind of match it. So uh, anybody who wants to to reach out, feel free. Uh, I love helping people. I love connecting with people. So, uh, you know, just find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, and then uh, we can move from there. All right, sounds good. So that's Arius, A-R-I-U-S, Norris. And Arius, when we have the opportunity, we like to give our guests um, a chance to give shout-outs to anyone and everyone who has been supportive of them on their natty journey, and we'd like to give that opportunity to you right now. Okay, okay. Well, okay, so first I'd like to give a shout-out to my stepdad, uh, Nick Johnson. I'd like to give a shout-out to my mom, uh, Vicki Johnson. I'd like to give a shout-out to the mother of my child, uh, Maria Cortez. I'd like to give a shout-out to all my family, all my friends, uh, my coach, Wadi. Um and my buddy Nick who's always been there to help me. So I appreciate you guys. Love and respect. Awesome, awesome. And uh, I think that brings us to the uh the end the end of our time here. So uh Kaylin, one last thought before we wrap this up. Well, I know that I was uh, high on snickerdoodle when I saw him compete, so I was really happy that day. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know what, I, yeah, we're not even going to work on rephrasing that. We're just going to leave it like that. Hashtag high on snickerdoodle. <laughs> That's what we There you go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Aries, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight and sharing your energy and perspective. And we wish you all the best. You are uh, just definitely on fire right now, and I hope that flame just gets brighter in the coming months. So do keep us posted, and um, <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you soon. And, uh, you know, folks, if you're going to get high on something, maybe it should be chocolate and not snickerdoodle. I don't know. Something oh, to think about. Something to think about. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciated you. You know, I'm just so uh, lost in this last uh, little bit here that I just need to say. On behalf of Arius, Kaylin, myself, the boys from P4P Muscle, your body is a temple. (laughs) So let's build it.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.